Hi there. You're listening to Tea Time with Tan Acquisition, the podcast aimed at fostering knowledge and sharing it in this vibrant talent acquisition community. On today's episode, this is what we've got coming up for you. I think really important is expectation management. Um, after also the intake call and the first getting back, um, you have to take a look at the market. You have to take, tell, tell the hiring team um, what is even possible. Is what you're looking for even possible in the market? Uh, let's say I was looking for a senior engineer for 60K or whatever, um, or I don't know, um, 20 years of a stack with experience that just exists for 10 years have your bases covered it's basically a building a house uh, and the foundation is weak and then you're building a really really weird house uh, which can crush at any time in the process or you're building forever and renovating and refurbishing but if the base is not good you will not build a strong uh, have, you don't, did not build a strong foundation you can build on i know a successful recruiting process really needs that i'm absolutely thrilled to have Helen join us on this podcast I've known Colette for many, many years. Um, I've had the fortune to work alongside her in a couple of projects now. Um, she comes from external. She's done high-level recruitment. She's done RPO recruitment. And now, obviously, she's focusing on the internal talent acquisition. Hopefully, what you'll gain from this is what I gain every time I speak to her. It's a profound amount of knowledge coming my way. Opportunities to kind of take that knowledge and take it into other aspects that I'm working on. And just generally a good laugh, good conversation along the way. Um, throughout this entire conversation, we dig into elements that I think is kind of forgotten sometimes inside town acquisition, and that's the actual process around understanding job requirements. So what we do is we break down intake calls. So Colette basically shows us what they are, why they're important, what she does for preparation for these calls, and then ultimately almost a step-by-step -step guide into what you should be focusing on. Each preparation call, each intake call might be slightly different depending on your company, your knowledge, your ability as a recruiter. But I hope you come away from this podcast with one or two key elements that will give you the opportunity to boost the response rates, your closing rates, and ultimately getting the best talent for your company. So join me on this journey with Let, and thank you so much for listening. Welcome to Tea Time with Tan Acquisition the podcast aimed at fostering knowledge and sharing stories within the vibrant talent acquisition community. There's no surefire way to accomplish anything in life, but with each conversation, we aim to delve into diverse topics and present fresh perspectives to empower you, our fellow colleague, on your own journey to success. I'm your host, Eden, and for the next hour or so, I'm going to be joined by an individual who has worked across both external recruitment and in-house talent acquisition, and as a result has crafted processes, structure and procedures that greatly benefit the stakeholders she supports in her day-to-day teams. Having had the chance to work with her and learn from her, every interaction truly is a joy, as I know whatever we discuss, we're both coming away with ideas to implement. Her energy is infectious, her knowledge broad but deep, and I am personally very, very excited to have her involved in this. So when you're ready, grab your favourite tea or coffee if you prefer, and welcome to today's guest, the Senior Town Acquisition Partner Manager, and people partner at Conductor, Colette Rulin. How you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm totally fine. I just got a, a new hire signed. And of course, that's the best way to end your week and the best thing, or one of the best things in talent acquisition ever, after all the work you've done to finally cross the finish line. So I'm super happy right now. 
glad i'm glad and first of all congratulations but it's also a nice way to start this because obviously we're going to segue right back to the beginning uh in today's topic uh to hopefully find out how we got to that point but um i also realized as i said the introduction i actually i made a mistake on your job title it's senior talent acquisition manager and people partner not i think i said partner twice in there somewhere but we're splitting hairs we're splitting hairs but anyways thank you so much for joining um before we dive into the core topic of what what you must uh, share with us today um i do want to start off the same way everyone else does everyone gets the same starter question because i'm always intrigued so we work in talent acquisition what's one thing that you believe everyone in our field is doing but you believe it could be improved upon further and you can share today's topic if you choose to or you can dive into something different i think what we all do and what is most important is people we deal with people. We are people. There's a lot on the human side we often forget in this world. It's a lot of technical uh, gibberish sometimes, sometimes knowledgeable stuff, of course, but we always or should never forget there's a human at the other end. It's not business to business. Of course, it is business to business, but also human to human. And um, this is something we should always take care of, always keep in mind. It doesn't matter if you have five applicants or 500. At the end, there is a person and every person deserves respect and uh, hopefully an answer and a rejection letter if necessary or an offer hopefully the offers they would love to lovely to get the 500 <laughs> offers out but absolutely that kind of segues into uh the kind of experience element of things of you know just being mindful that somebody's put time effort energy into applying we should do them the courtesy of time effort and energy in responding even if it's as you say a negative um i definitely am seeing a trend towards that and actually a conversation I had um, in yesterday's recording, um, which depend on the order of when these come out, it might come out beforehand or not now. I'm not, I'm not sure. I need to check the calendar. Um, but it's around obviously having the, the hopefully the, the movement towards a better can experience because of what we're experiencing in the current market today uh, and actually making a sizable shift. Um, but I wholeheartedly agree. So the, the topic that we actually are going to cover, though, is around um intake meetings and job qualifications so obviously coming from the external recruitment side of things and now obviously the in-house side you've obviously been experiencing both um so when when i say the phrase intake meeting what what does it actually mean first of all let's just kind of create that that element of poor understanding for everybody yeah, I think one of the um, important things is that people, our recruiters, often just get a job description, uh, no discussion, no topics around it, and just, just go out, search, find people, do source. You don't know the specifics, you don't know the details. Sometimes it's misleading um, information you get because it was kind of written in a, in a hasty mood and stuff like that, and you look for front-end stack, back-end stack, and everything coming together, and um, uh, he's a master of none, and uh, check off all trades in any way, and it's super important important to really have a clear and precise uh, picture for you as a recruiter. Also that the line manager, hiring manager has a clear and precise picture and also the team. So it is about clear alignment, what you're looking for, what is really needed and is are both or all the all the participants aware of what we are looking for? I have often this situation, not often, but I had it in my career that I was looking and presenting so many candidates. I was wondering what is going on, what is wrong here, and it was a misalignment. There was then 
the must have uh, was a nice to have. The nice to have was a must have. And oh my God, we forgot to enter microservices or what else. So that's why we really, really should have these intake meetings. And also from there on have regular um, touch base meetings or um, update meetings because things can also change during the process. The team talked to five people and then they thought, hey, maybe this other feature would be great. So it is a continuous improvement process. So, so to speak, we should be that uh, not Not just do that in, uh, in engineering, but also in the recruiting process. Be agile and improve and continuously also ask what you're doing and if it's right. And that's why so the basis. Glad. I say, I'm so glad you added in that point of the, um, you know, touch and base throughout the process. It's not just at the beginning, you know, coming from the external side as well. Was there ever a case where you did work a position without that initial intake call? You know, a client said, hey, we do need this. Go for it. Yeah, basically a horrible situation when I was in a consulting agency. It was like um, a, a colleague of mine already worked the profile, already wrote mm. to 200 candidates on LinkedIn, I think, in Germany. And then, uh, yeah, we presented already three candidates. Do your best to source some more. And I was, oh, my God, what do you really want from me? Um, after talking to so many candidates, presenting so many or a few candidates already, what can I do different? And what I did is I did not have contact with the company per se, but I have friends working in IT and engineering. And then I got them on the table. Take a look at that profile. Can you maybe help me figuring out what they are really looking for? Is it the title? Is the title correct? Um, what's the problem? Is There may be something misleading in the requirements they're posting in. And um, I talked to a few people. They really helped me out. Try this area, try this area. Maybe in a smaller uh, startup, they would call it like this or the other way mm. around. And look, that is today in today's world more important than this and that. That might be from an old job post. The line manager just they copy and paste it out. And, um, yeah. So I tried to figure out a slightly different profile to have a new batch of candidates. And it worked out and I was super, super scared because I did not know if I did the right thing. And then it also was a big uh, conglomeration. So hard to get anybody to talk to. And I just heard then, which was super weird, uh, two months later, she's a great recruiter. <laughs> She brought us really, really good candidates. And for me, it was like sleepless nights. What am I doing here? Um, but it really helped me out. And communication is key. Maybe not just for the internal people, especially if you don't have the chance to, but get your network in, get the people who you know in. And also a lot of the engineers, especially in tech recruiting, they're happy if you ask them something. And some, sometimes they're just annoyed. They, um, people tell me, hey, I worked with Java for 20 years. I still get um, uh, offers for Java positions. Uh, and they say that I didn't do Java for 15 years. Why do they do that? And they're really, or the misconception of uh, Java, JavaScript, and yeah. no discredit. We've we've probably all made the mistake at some stage. I have. I will hold my hands up. But it was also nine years ago, so I'm quite happy to say that. Um, <laughs> the, the, oh, don't feel old. Honestly, get up in the mornings is a lot harder now. <laughs> so the so the focus of these intake calls really is alignment, continued yeah. alignment. Why is that important? Why, why um, having that alignment from from the talent team or you as the recruiter to the organization? Why is that actually key instead of just saying, Aiden, shut up, just go find me candidates, for example? I think really important is expectation management. Um, after mm. also the intake call and the first getting back, um, you have to take a look at the market. You have to take, tell, tell the hiring team um, what is even possible. Is what you're looking for even possible in the market? Uh, let's say I was looking for a senior engineer for 60K or whatever, um, or I don't know, um, 20 years of a stack with experience that just exists for 10 years. So I think <laughs> if it happens. <laughs> yeah, that's, def that's definitely happened. I've seen that one a few times on the job descriptions. 
Yeah, yeah, and this is also if you don't have your bases covered, it's basically a building a house uh, and the foundation is weak, and then you're building a really, really weird house uh, which can crush at any time in the process, or you're building forever and renovating and refurbishing. But if the base is not good, you will not build a strong. Uh, have to, you don't, did not build a strong foundation, you can build on. I know a successful recruiting process really needs that. Of course, you can find a needle in a haystack even with. A bad intake meeting, a uh, bad breathing, you can find somebody, but you might take, I don't know, 500 weeks, weeks more. When I see in the job markets, we have positions open for a year. And I always ask myself, are you kidding me? Do you really want to yeah, fill this? An issue. This yeah. is impossible if you hire for 500 times the same role, maybe. But um, in general, especially when smaller companies have an opening for a year or so, I'm always wondering what's going on with them or what's the issue yeah, there. I I see that more so now, you know, I see and it's actually a feature that LinkedIn has put on um, where you can actually see who's reposted their jobs, which is a really good tell for any job seeker. Yeah. As to, is there a potential issue? And you see, like, for example, a company's reposted a front end position. You're thinking unless you're hiring more than one, which is definitely fine, but it doesn't look like you are based on the size of the company. you are. So there's an issue along the way. And why is that? I think it's a big, bit tricky to just take it, oh, the position was reposted. So um, as I said in the beginning, I always try to update myself, have regular update meetings with um, especially the hiring manager, sometimes also with people out of the team. And then we change something, small things in the job post. For example, the must-have, the nice-to-haves change yeah. a bit. Or we take out a requirement, as we saw, this is usually not in the position. For example, AI, everybody is screaming about AI, and then we change the must have AI feature, ML, NLP, whatever, um, to, okay, nice to have or be interested in. And that maybe sets the boundaries a bit better for other candidates. And a repost doesn't mean per se that's bad. And they already have 100 candidates, especially when applicants are actively applying. Just do your thing, try your best. I always tell the applicants mm. and also the line managers, it's a numbers game. It's like dating. You don't go home with the first person you meet on a dating app as well. So as an applicant, you have to do it. As a line manager, as a hiring team, you have to do it. It would be nice to find the needle on a haystack on the first trial, but usually it's not the case. Yeah. I think um, in 10 years of recruitment, I think I've done um, hole in one, as I call it, twice, where I've got the requirement, I've sent one CV, and that was it twice. Um, it doesn't happen often, um, but it's a, it's a great feeling when the hole in one happens. Um, yeah, also, you're too. probably like the ninth person since I've been mm -hmm. starting to do this podcast that refers to um, recruitment as dating, which is, um, I feel like there's a common analogy inside, inside the internal side of things now that maybe I've just been missing, but you hit the nail on the head. You, you got to kiss a, bit, a few frogs to, to find the prince, as yeah. it were. Um, the the whole element of um of the intake call, I think it's one one thing that I think it's a lot of people will sit there and go, Yeah, obviously, you know, we have to take the intake call. But that's just the beginning of how you kind of do it and, and your focus towards it is obviously where we're we're interested in kind of understanding because you live by this, right? You know, we don't do roles really without it now. Um but it starts with the preparation aspect, right? So you've got to break it down pre work from your side and then during the intake call. So walk me through the preparation from your perspective. One of your hiring managers or stakeholders has said, look, we've got these couple of roles coming up. What are you focusing on and why ahead of that conversation? Yeah, I think it's a bit easier when you're in a corporation or in a company and the longer you're in, the easier it is because you know the people, you know the faces, you know who is and what they are actually looking for as a um, consultant or external. It's much harder. Um, but 
nevertheless, you can, um, and this is what I really tell everybody, take a look at the company itself. What is the company's image? What is their cultural vibe? This is one point. Then also, how is the org chart? Who is the people they are will be uh, working with? What is the reporting line? What is also mm -hmm. a mindset the people should have? Is it a person that is maybe more for a waterfall principle? They just follow instructions or are they looking for this hands-on personality? And um, also in the surrounding they are in, is it a small team? Is it a big team? Is it an individual contributor? So all these questions I try to figure out from the job description I have. Usually this is what mm -hmm. you get first. And sometimes five-page long paper and of course i go in there i analyze that i take factual aspects i take in um if there's something redundant can i put it out and i always advise don't just post job descriptions a line manager is giving you as a recruiter make your own job ad make it hot make it sexy make it sound good also use verbiage that is inclusive don't put people off by bad and negative things and Think about what you're writing and what the candidate sees. Maybe ask your friends about it. Does that sound good? We are living in a, we are working in a high paced uh, surrounding and we are looking for a super agile person with young energy and spirit. You can't get even sued for the word young in job ad in Germany because it's discriminating. And studies show the more you could do that. Yes. People can um, say, hey, they discriminated me in their job ad. So, yeah. There are some Note funny to self, things. Have a look through our job descriptions. No, I'm joking. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we do that. Um, I just want to peel it back because you said write your own. Mm -hmm. I agree, but I want to see if we we if we fit for the same reason. So, why do you recommend that TAs and recruiters write their own descriptions? First of all, uh, the TA should be aware of um, legal obstacles, like um, what and what you can be sued for, for example, what mm -hmm. is negative verbiage, what is inclusive verbiage. Studies show that um, women are repelled by uh, some negative words, um, whilst men, they don't really care. But this is, for example, uh, widening up your base. And yeah. um, basically, um, why I think I should you should do it, you really get to know the job ad and you really get the questions you might not even had before. When you have to structure the own job ad, when you also have to talk about uh, with the line manager, is it the right hierarchy the points are mentioned in? Is it uh, really, um, why do we do at the first point, uh, working together with other teams across the department? Is that really the most necessary bullet point for this position or is it maybe something everybody has to do in some way yeah. so this really gives you a much better understanding and much more clearance than just a, a paper that is written some, from somebody else and you check out okay i need this keyword i need this keyword i need, mm -hmm. I need this keyword and also it gives you more understanding because usually if you get a new position especially if it's a new department you try to google it and not just look up for a keyword so uh, what is i ever is Do I need to know it? Oh no, but I need to understand what it entails and maybe also what the difference it is or to have some something else, for example, in German, HGB or something like that. Um, and yeah, basically the understanding is the most important part. And also it feels good to have your own touch on it because then it's your own and you feel more um, uh, inclined to this position from a perspective, a recruiting perspective. So connected. I, by the way, um, it is a very, very similar reason. So Obviously, if, say say I was to, to work a position for you and your team. Yes, great, you can send it across to me. But I want to understand the role myself. And better, the best way to do it is write it myself. Mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right. I will learn where I don't know something. That's a question I need to ask you. I'm going to also learn how I'm going to potentially sell the opportunity to an organizer, to a, to a prospective. So how we kind of teach our side is your job description. If it's really well written, you can take the introduction as the message to the candidate. 
mm. in theory as like your your you know um your fishing message how would you say it you know your initial message uh fishing message i've never used that phrase before probably never gonna use it again that's awful <laughs> yeah. i've never used it i don't know why i've just gone to fishing how weird <laughs> anyways all right so your initial message and then when you get somebody interested and you're on a call with them you don't read it word for word but that then also is your checklist um you know we have more grander processes behind the scenes but as a very basics that's that and it's like one document has three core purposes and then you use that as a way to to interact with your stakeholder as well um but also i really like what you said there the verbiage how you know you're actually presenting the business because that is one thing that i think a lot of people probably are aware of but maybe don't know it themselves enough to to decide what language to put onto that description do you have any um tools or anything that that you do use i know the couple yeah. of sites out there so basically also what is good then when you do these intake calls you can ask in the team what is good mm-hmm. about your team basically i love to ask why are you the best team in the whole company and in the whole universe usually mm-hmm. gets three people in a good mood and uh, with a smile and then of course we talk about why is it good to join and this also gives me um, a bit of the cultural personality perspective uh, many people say in the job at these these um, adjectives about personality it's just gibberish and everybody fits that I think especially in an intake meeting that gives you a lot about the team and also who is telling you what what are the, act- the active stakeholders in there um, and also Coming back to the job description, I usually don't um, delete stuff out of the job description, which I tell them then in the intake calls or in the first calls we have, um, because if you have everything in there, first point, you will have a five-pager. Nobody wants to apply for a five-pager, maybe not even read it, especially on a Friday evening. Um, and also it opens up communication, which is really important for interviewing. Um, I don't like to have interviewed with interviews, which are just scripted. What is your notice period, salary, blah, 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 blah. But to have an open conversation to really get a feel of the candidate as well. And also see then from my perspective, could that be a fit? Even if I don't see a fit, I will move the candidate forward if the candidate is technically good. But I always would advise then the team and the hiring manager, hey, please take a close look. Does he show you that behavior as well? Take close close look if that is the real good a real good team fit on that side. And always hire for motivation and not just for skill, because motivated people will train that skill. Unmotivated skilled people rather quit. Yeah. 100%. So we're going through a job description, we're rewriting it, we're making notes, we're researching the teams, we're getting an awareness of what you do or what you don't know. Is there any other preps that you're doing ahead of these intake calls or is that kind of the core elements core elements of course i am a seasoned recruiter but don't tell me how old i am <laughs> i always um, of <laughs> course have my best practices in mind so what is working on the market are uh, maybe a diff- bit different from for each department um be precise um, um also for the intake meeting or general understanding take a look in the org chart maybe also take a look at the site of the team um is it maybe yeah. a special team for something are they hardly integrated into something might there be a hidden stakeholder i don't know for example um always of course depends how much time you have usually you will not get everything done in an intake call and i usually just go with a stack of questions and then in update calls i get the information i might not have yeah. in that you can moment. build, you build your knowledge as you go along yeah, yeah there is also, one element gone 
uh, also hard facts we often forget. So um, what about the time zones they are ish, uh, working in? What kind of a working contract is it? Um, yeah, and how much to experience do you want? So really don't forget that as well. Maybe we, I'm talking too much about uh, soft skills and stuff like that. Don't forget the hard skills. No, no, skills. no. I mean, it's both are important. They're, they're equal at the moment. Um, do you have like a, a document that you have as like a minimum that you have to get each time? Or is it kind of just you go I based on your experience? A, I had a document for as when I first started out in headhunting. I was a total newbie. I was nervous Sorry. within every call. I had a one pager. Then in another company, especially um, then when I worked as um, uh, R, in an RPO process and stuff like that, that document grew to an eight pager, which was kind of super extensive. Of course, some fields were in preparation, like I looked at the LinkedIn and blah 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 blah, and um, got company information and stuff. And uh, right now, I did that so often. I basically shoot from the hip. And um, select the hiring manager, what I forgot, <laughs> but works out quite fine. And I have really good hiring managers and uh, people I can talk to in this company that makes the process way easier. And also there's trust. They know I can hire people and that makes it also very much easier than being yeah. just an outsider where you have to prove yourself. And also um, that you have the open communication. And that is basically also one of the most important facts. Also as a recruiter, it doesn't matter if you're in-house, if you're new, uh, trust yourself to also ask stupid questions or maybe ask ChatGPT while we are making the bridge to AI machine learning. So the internet is full of information, but also don't feel uh, pressured to not ask stuff because um, usually the hiring manager are open to tell you and um, you can just well, know We're recruiters you... at the end of the day, right? We're not, we're not developers. We're not product managers. I always say, and although I've done this for 10 years, I feel pretty competent in most areas on the technology side, I can hold conversations, but I always ask them, look, I'm, I'm going to ask stupid questions here. Just accept yep. it. Don't judge me. I'll get you yep. the people you need to have. Um, it's interesting though, because although obviously you've gone through the motion of having a document, an extensive document, and obviously now going from, from your experience, I still use a document thoroughly. Um, it's like my, my, I have to, you know, mm -hmm. because I think also from the external side of things, it's, I, I don't want to do a bad job. I'm not saying you're going to do a bad job, by the way, but I don't want to come away from that call thinking, okay, I've missed something that's important. And because that's a negative that they would look at me thinking, well, why did you ask that question there? So I think the documents for me, they, they work, um, but you iterate them over time because what works, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. The document is made basically mostly in my head. That's the thing of doing it so many times over and over again, and it's so much easier being in house. You can ah, oh, I don't yeah. know who's the person reporting to. How big is the team? Zack, you open the org chart, you find that out. Yeah, how long yeah. is the you've, in the you've got a few shortcuts. I don't. <laughs> I have the shortcuts and uh, shortcuts, and usually I um, have a limited amount for um, uh, the intake calls. Because we have every week, uh, usually with my hiring manager, I have a, an update call every week. So I keep the, the intake meeting short. I'm focused on the job ad and then I'll clear it out later what necessary add-on details are. Hmm. And also, also with being in-house, you can select all the people here. We have that thing of an open communication which really helps out and people answer. It's not like that you're waiting for two weeks to get an email answered. Yeah. But basically, well, Slack, next Slack Connect helps with that a lot now. Um, yeah. I've got most most of the companies I work with who have Slack. We're on Slack yeah. Connect. Just just simplicity that that instant messenger has been yeah. a game changer since since and COVID. In the preparation, usually we work with um open docs or something like that, or um, a web yeah. document of um a word or something. You can post uh, post your questions in there upfront, and this also helps because then the mm -hmm. partners um know what you will be asking. So 
of course, ne process will never be perfect. It always is an individual experience. I will make mistakes in the future again. I will not ask every question maybe in an in intake call. And I'm trying my best. It is a continuous improvement process. And you never know with your next position how clear is the alignment. I have had uh, poster trials of um, recruiting teams, like having everything outlined in Confluence. This is the interview pool. This is the questions they're asking. This is the expectations we are setting. And for me as a recruiter, quite a dream. I just open a page. I don't even need to ask Too this bad. question because yeah. they have it and they're experienced and uh, they even know interview techniques. And then I have the other ones. This is my first job I'm ever hiring. Uh, what questions can I ask the candidate? So you never know. And you get, awesome. you get both sides. Yeah. I think um, there is one other thing on the preparation side and by no means, this isn't a plug to Peritus or, or recruitment agencies, but if you don't know something on the market side, lean into people who can. Because as you mentioned, you've got friends in the technology side that you can lean into. But especially if you sit in a hiring a role that you just don't know, then speak to somebody who might be able to shed some light. And just, I actually had it, um, it was about a month ago. And they looking to hire a VP of product. And I was just saying, look, what, what does the market look like a little bit at the moment? And kind of give my ideas, give my perception. But my question for them was before you release it to us, do you have someone who can do this job internally who you could just promote? And like, yeah, I think we do. I was like, then do that because you're going to save your money on me. You're going to save the salary and that person is going to be more committed. Yeah. I mean, I shoot myself in the foot for that role ultimately, but you know, long-term it makes more sense because hiring at that level. Yeah. There's talent. But it's just depends on what your need of the roadmap is. You've got someone who's there. It makes more sense to do that than, than to go to market. Um, and I think it's it's just having that element of, okay, do we need that role? Do we really need that role? And if you do, great, prepare, go through the motions. And if you don't, that's when you identify in that preparation side. Before it's released anywhere, before it's advertised, the preparation would give you a lot of clarity of, do we actually need to have this person? Mm. Maybe you should change a bit to management consulting if you're shooting yourself in the <laughs> foot more often. <laughs> but I always yeah. appreciate I think that's also a thing why I like working with you, um, that you were open and honest and also don't just uh, are here for the bugs because at the end you want to make people happy and people who are happy come back as happy customers. And um, that's the human Absolutely. thing. And that, that kind of comes down, it's just that prep work is if you if you can save yourself the money and the time and the effort, but like really secure your company, then you might as well. Um, has there ever been an experience where maybe the preparation you didn't do enough or you maybe you didn't do it well enough and it just like it really just caused challenges across the recruitment process of course that happens for example uh yeah good morning you have an update call this uh this afternoon you're totally full <laughs> with interviews and then you should uh, yeah. uh step into a new role a new team or something you never recruited before um i don't know sweat on your forehead all the day uh, <laughs> and then you have to meet new people new beforehand <laughs> Yeah, I just oh my god, leave me alone, please. I don't want to do that. And then you just can get in and say, Hey, I'm sorry, I didn't have enough prep time. Um, let's take it from here. Um, this is also normal business. That's why I'm I'm saying this is important for all of us. That let's stay human, let's be open for mistakes. I think you may need to make mistakes from time to time to find a solution. A problem needs to be solved. It's it's the step to the next level, so to speak. And um also I try to be human also to my hiring managers. I tell them I'm stupid in the beginning. So basically that takes off the edge, especially in tech recruiting, but it worked out quite fine. I'm Googling sometimes a lot. Sometimes I do still not understand how things are interacting with each other. Um chat helps sometimes but brilliant. 
for me Love as it. well. I'm not an engineer and um, yeah, sometimes it's still gibberish for me to be honest. And sometimes I really think that's interesting stuff when I Google it, watch a video on YouTube, how it's working out and how cool nice okay ai is taking over how long will my job exist cool <laughs> always depends but hey to stay open and i think in the end um if you want to hire people you need people to hire people even if computers will take or take over and take call screenings at, at, at else or everything else but also i think and this was your question one of your questions in the beginning i don't think that computers or ai will totally take over recruiting because um you can let people answer a lot of stuff you can videos analyze a lot of stuff but but the feeling you need at the end and the working together it, it's still a human interaction yeah yeah i think i mean we're on a topic now we might as well, might as well kind of have a little look yeah. here oh, um, sorry maybe too much no, no, no it's fine i think um i agree by the way i think the tools that are coming through with ai and i was actually speaking to a guy called jamie um who works for love honey um this afternoon actually was well, this morning uh, and was talking about ai and he he had a round table um at a conference in berlin recently he was talking about there's a lot of trepidation around do we use it do we not use it he uses it for everything by the way like he automates so much it saves so much time for him and his team um but i think yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of curiosity there but also as i say just a little bit more of fearfulness at the moment because i think you know if i implement this then my job is going to be taken instead of looking at going if i implement this that takes that part of the job but that gives me more chance to do that part of the job and i can also learn that and i think what we'll end up seeing and this is just my own perception now is that we'll see a reduction in internal talent acquisition teams performing hmm. the same amount of tasks than what the existing teams have and then you'll have the externals coming in for very specialist projects only. And yeah. I don't believe we're going to go back to the world of external recruiters filling front-end positions, filling Java positions en masse. The odd one here and there, en masse. I think that a lot of that will be managed through automation on those types of, of, of roles. Yeah, I think so too. A lot of stuff we do is pretty redundant. I think I could train something, computer or whatever, <laughs> um, system to do that for me. And uh, for example, um, especially the first round of uh, rejections you do, usually then you have a profile. This is the ones you interview, but a lot of them are going out in the beginning and you sometimes wish you had a monkey for doing that. I don't want to discriminate any candidate, but if the job profile clearly states we are looking for somebody in the UK, we are looking for somebody in Germany, you cannot interview people from I don't know which country. So this is basically, for example, a hard fact I have to reject people for. And I'm sorry mm -hmm. that I have to do it. But if it's a hard requirement, it's a hard requirement. And this yeah. would be amazing to have a system who say, hey, I did that for you. Please double check. But yeah, and I'm sorry for the people. Maybe another way around. But for these things, I think it would be great to have um, yeah, AI or a system doing it. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Back to the process of intake calls, though. So. Yeah. We know what it is. We know why it's important. We know the preparation we need to do ahead of time, but the bulk of it is the actual conversation, right? So from your experience, and you haven't got to give all your tricks away because I appreciate, you know, we still got to keep some of them locked away. But what are the <laughs> essential steps that somebody should be following as an individual contributor? So they've got their stakeholder, they're in a call, they're in a meeting. What should they be doing and why? Um, in general, I would start, so get the hard facts cleared out. Um, 
course, our type of contract, budget, um, level of experience. I usually start um, with the requirements, really go down there. And then from the requirements, I go into the job description because sometimes it's weird that there is a requirement in there. You don't fi find it in the, um, in, in the task of the job. So why do we have it in the requirement, for example? I would always advise um, as far as possible, ask open questions, um, get as much out as you need. Um, even if I might not get in anymore with my one pager, I still write down a lot of notes. Um, hopefully can write that the day later. Never know <laughs> how much the hiring manager has to tell me. Um, yeah, also one of my favorite questions is then after going through the hard facts, um, soft facts, um, uh, also description, if I have time, what is an ABC candidate for you? What do you consider mm. the 100, 150% that might not even exist? What would be a candidate that is good for you, but is just going up to the 80%? Then you always go back into the must-have, nice-haves, um, because, hey, this was a must-have before, maybe a nice-to-have, why it is still in the 100% or not. And then also, what is a C candidate? If we are desperate enough, we would go there. We can keep, keep, keep this profile maybe on hold if we change the profile down to something, because we cannot find what we are looking for on the budget giving. And it's also the back and forth you're playing as a recruiter, right? So you get a budget, yeah. you should find somebody, then you maybe not find that person for that budget. Then you either scale down the requirements or you get more budget. So let's say what, uh, um, what's, it's a bit harder than the requirements to adjust sometimes, and sometimes it's the other way around. What's ABC? Candidates. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, just to explain categorizing, that. Um, you can also uh, also put in a a candidate, a level candidate. That's the top number one. He fits one hundred and fifty percent of the requirements, um, up to one hundred. Let's say like that. That the B candidate is could be working out with a bit of training. Um, let's say eighty percent of the requirements are a fit. Then you have the C candidate, which goes down. Let's say sixty, seventy. If we found some now. No, we found nobody else if we had to scale down the requirements and then the def candidates um coming in basically just a scaling system yeah or measuring um, yeah and, really and like this, want to add um i would like to end um the discussion because usually heads are burning at the moment then after 30 minutes an hour or whatever i try to or like to um finalize the round with asking the people and um, what's your dream candidate so, and then sometimes uh, things come up. That's a really nice question, um, which really opens also up to another dis uh, dis uh, other discussion or even a, a fun part to close the meeting. Um, and also it gives you a good idea. Um, by the way, besides the candidate, also, of course, good questions are, um, which industries do we find these people in? Is there a comp company target list? Does it even matter to target uh, certain companies to look at this candidate for? Can we even compete with Google? We shouldn't talk to Google people. Stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you do you talk about? I, no, I'm not going to assume. Do you talk about um, the projects that they're working on in the next six months, so, the next twelve? So that, okay, that's covered as well. Yeah, this is something, of course, what you want or what, you, what the candidate expect to. Um, but usually um, when I talk to the candidates, I leave this topic open for discussion with the line manager because there's a lot of details usually. And this is something mm. I would love the hiring manager or the team talk to the candidate. Um, but of course, I try to get in some effects of that. Also, and again, an advantage of being in-house, you know the challenges and usually the upcoming projects a bit more than being an external. So a bit different yeah, here. I'd say there's some, I've actually just loaded up our, our document that we use. There's going to be Done. some things on there that, that simply you probably wouldn't have. Not necessarily, maybe. So we, we talk about sources. So what sources have you used to gain 
applicants in the past for these types of positions, which I guess if you're coming into a new team, you could talk about. Um, mm -hmm. you know, do you have agencies? Do you have certain platforms that you could go to? Um, obviously, the why are we hiring somebody? That's mm -hmm. the big element, which comes back to do we need this person? Um, we talk about roles, responsibilities on more of a, you know, the course, you're the absolutely mandatory, must have, you know, don't want to see anyone else. And that's really the, the be all and end all. Um, but team size, you're going to have that sort of stuff when you're internal anyways. You know, the home office, flexible work hours. I'm trying to think if there's any questions here that maybe there is one. Where is it? So there's two questions that I ask every hiring manager. Um, why do you work in the company? You know, what attracted you to the company in the first place and why do you stay in the company? I guess that's more than two already. So those about themselves, because it kind of gives a, a really clear indicator into who they are. And also, why should somebody not join your team? Should not join your team. Should not join that's your team. That's really great that, question. That one you learn so much for it because then that way you know when you're going back to the google element it's like actually you know what thinking about it we're quite rigid in our approach you know mm. or we're we're our processes are quite long so then you know for example if someone's burning has that passion of like fast pace then you know it's not right for them and doesn't matter how much you want to try they're not going to be happy and they're going to start and then very quickly realize this isn't mm. for me but those two questions open up a lot. So trying to work out what are the actual problems inside your team. Um, and it's also quite interesting because maybe they're a bit more open to me with those sorts of questions because if yeah. I was to say to somebody else in the company, actually this, it kind of looks like you're bad mouth in the company, but you're not. You're just being honest. Whereas with me, they're like, okay, this is... But you know, they're, they're, I'd say they're the two maybe that we ask that they're quite good yeah i really like your questions maybe i will try them out again in the future yeah, but know. i think i'm uh, a lot of the hiring managers i right now in my company currently over two years and even after the merger situation i now have good feeling for them or at least for most of them and um yeah we like the craziness we like to work here we like the happy people and this gives me basically a good understanding also when i meet them up front or in the update calls these things come up naturally so yeah. um this is being in-house. The advantage is also, to be honest, I chose to be in-house rather than doing consultancy or being a headhunting agency because I really, really like to have these uh, being in touch with people, being updated, see the happy faces uh, when you hire people. And a few months later, the team is happy. The people are happy. So most likely nobody quit, <laughs> hopefully. And this is the thing why I'm in the company and uh, yeah, having a great time together and doing good work. Yeah. Yeah, I think you say there's a lot of things that I would need to ask because I don't, I'm not there. And the more I work with an organization, the easier that sort of stuff is. But okay, those two questions, it really opens something up because it kind of, you're not expecting it and it disarms you a little bit and in a positive way because it's always for the betterment of, okay, now I know the type of person absolutely isn't going to fit in your team. Yep. So we know that just by asking one, one or two questions. Um, when do you need to deviate from the standardized process? So, you know, your usual intake call, when, when when are you prompted to make changes to it and why would that happen? Yeah, so basically, there's a huge difference if you're recruiting for first time for a department or um, mm. also if you already have a, built, built a lot of trust in there. Also, if you know how the communication is working in every there, of course, you need to prove in the first uh, instance if 
with the numbers you can give, I interviewed 10, 20 people, whatever. I um, wrote to 100 people on LinkedIn or Xing or whatever or um, other, other social media channels. So, and then you see, this is what the outcome is. This is not working. Um, I also had the issue, the hiring manager said, hey, everything's good. I like the people. Then we had a good scale, a good funnel, and then everybody crushed at the end of the technical rounds. And we said, hey, what is the issue here? And then there was just, I don't know if it was misunderstanding, misalignment. We really did a regroup. We talked to the whole team. And yeah, a nice to have was a must have. And the whole bullet right. point was missing. So I think um, there's not the certain amount of time that you can say because it always you are, of course, dependent as a recruiter. Sometimes you have fast teams who are available easily. Then you have Christmas vacations. Then you have the summer hole. Everybody is not interested in recruiting. And it's hard to put a time on. I would rather suggest put a numbers on let's say and also openly um with the line manager hey i talked to 10 people to you why do you don't you interview them why do don't they end in the technical round i don't want to interview 30 people for the same role for the same profile and ending up nowhere and this is what i mean with the open communication also during the update calls and rather put a, a qualitative number and with a qualitative feedback in there than just the number of weeks you when you do those feedback calls or when you have those intake calls and you bring that data with you historical data or live data from your search do you just talk through the data or do you present it to them in an actual showcased element um depends depends on what it's sometimes hiring manager are really up to date um they are also into recruiting they have maybe a lot of experience recruiting for different markets and it is a lot of um, the seniority in recruiting of and their experience there. Um, sometimes I give them, for example, I start with a collection of screenshots, for example, um, salaries or so. I take a look, what's the German yeah. market, what's the US market, what is the UK market, stuff like that. Also, I come in, hey, I saw I get your job profile. This is the name of the job profile. We don't have that in Germany, for example. So okay, yeah. these people are five times as a job ad on LinkedIn, whilst if we change it to this, we would have 500 or something like that and always i try I mean, to titles go... titles are arbitrary anyway i mean i call myself a professional people connector for god's sake the reason i say that is that we actually we created something called the hiring funnel calculator i know it rolls mm -hmm. off the tongue right um and that was a game changer for quite a few teams um i might actually i i, I think i can make this public i can link to it from this from the podcast then but basically, it's what we do when we go when we go into a company. Um, and now I'm saying this out loud. Maybe I do should do more management consultancy. Who knows? But basically, you sit and get the way of the land because obviously, usually when you're using the agency, it's you know the job's been there, right? So we'll yeah. go in and we'll say, okay, what's your pipeline look like? How many people did you speak to? Interviews. What does it all look like? And it gives you a very clear graph. You want to make five hires, but you've spoken to forty candidates and haven't hired a single one. Well or you've hired one, then you need to speak to X amount to hire the five. It's like, it, all we need to change. And it's a really good way. And I share it to a couple of internal teams. Because I know mm. a lot of the ATS systems do this, mm. but sometimes the data kind of gets a little bit mismatched. So we shared it to a couple of internal teams and they found it quite useful. So I might do that with this one, but it's just a really good way of, it's, it's really good for live data um, as well, because then instead of it just saying, oh, we've spoken to 10 candidates, or we yeah. share 10 candidates. They're like, well, I don't remember them. Okay, well, this is actually the process of what's happened. And it helps you move from service provider to business partner, which mm. I'm not going to steal, but Alex at Billy shared that to me. Um, and it just gives you that, it just gives you more of a, a weight 
in those mm. conversations and you hold the talent acquisition team better, in my yeah. opinion. I think it's a hard question in recruiting KPIs per se. There's always the question, this is basically in-house often and also with agencies, more, 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 the more, the better. So, but also I see here, there's a crucial element. More is not just better. I can write to 50 people and have 10 great candidates. I can write yeah. to 500 people and have zero. So it's always a back and forth. I always do try to get in a good but realistic KPI reporting. How many applicants do we have? How many candidates did we source or did the team source? How are we there? What's the response rate? What is also maybe the open rate from the emails and stuff like that? And you I think can see there's an issue along the way somewhere. For example, in your example, you've got 10 candidates and no one passed tech task. Well, you like to see these you like the first conversation but they're not technically equipped so maybe there's an element in there that's missing bring that into that first interview or bring it into the pre-screen and obviously in your case you say you missed a bullet point so you can always track it back even if you're not setting yourselves on the kpis you can always look back at the data and go okay where has this gone wrong and why how do we rectify or, that? being weird Definitely. for a minute <laughs> I had a that's now the, sec that's the second cut that's made it onto the podcast. <laughs> I have another one. Come here now. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that's also a thing we as recruiters are also from an agency perspective, we need to be aware of bullshit data. I also yeah. um, got new management or were in interview calls and stuff like that. How many candidates need you to write to to fill a position? So then what position? Oh, are who you knows? I mean, so, also, it doesn't matter. It's like, what's the time of year? What's the message? Yeah. Who's messaging? Because depending on who you are as an individual, your title holds weight. I mean, various factors of you as an individual will make a certain group of people respond better. It's yeah. just the way it is. So there, there's so many factors in, but it's, they're easy things to look at. Time to hire, cost to hire, response rate. They're easy data points to say, you're not doing enough or you could be doing better. Yeah. When actually there's so many factors that come into recruitment. Yeah, I'm happy to have management usually that is also on the qualitative side and not just on the yeah. qualitative side. It must be a good mixture. Of course, if there are five applicants and for two weeks there are just five applicants, there's something wrong. But if you mm -hmm. also write to 500 people and you have no outcome, there's also something wrong. You always need to discuss. And that's why also my opening statement was, I think, open communication and regular updates. And this, this is the important part. Also interpret the data. Uh, what in what you said, yeah, we have 10 people coming to the tech screen and nobody passes that. Um, I had that in another position, by, by the way, really. And we figured out, hey, we will do a little bit of a coding task in line manager interview, just a short um, snippet of code. And then, boom, the rate changed. We liked more people, more people changed. Um, the first tech round ended up in the second one. And then finally, we made a higher yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, I'd say it's that iteration process. And I think it always boils down to the time acquisition individual, recruiter or manager or whatever, being in control of what they are in control of, right? And the, the intake call 100% shouldn't be driven by the manager. It should be driven by you asking that stakeholder, for me to work this, this is what I need to learn. This is what I need to know. And it's you having that ownership of it. Mm. Um It always stems back to, I mean, when a process goes wrong, and I'm now going to plug my my former trainer, Alan Clark. Um, he's a very good recruitment trainer, by the way. If anyone wants to listen to him, um, I'll, I'll tag him into this now. Um, if a recruitment process falls, there's two reasons. You didn't qualify the candidate correctly. We didn't follow the client correctly. Now, obviously, there are other elements that happen throughout the process. But in theory, those are the two things that happened, right? 
I also kind of want to give um, the statement there. It is not always the recruiter's fault. You can argue a lot. There are also, let's say, 1% of idiot hiring managers. Um, don't fool yourself. Sometimes as a recruiter in an agency, it's not your fault. Or also in-house, it's not your fault. There might be this one idiot where you need to skip the level meeting, talk to your boss or whatever. There are sometimes people who don't want to change something, who are not open to discuss it. We also sometimes really, really have to do some kind of therapy session or whatever to change things. Yeah, I was going to say, I might just have that on repeat, by the way. So a button, when something goes wrong, it's just you going, it's not your fault. Yeah. But it's not your fault, agent. <laughs> You can try to do it to make it better, but also sometimes there are barriers, especially as an outsider or if you're fresh into a company, um, you don't get it, you don't see it, you don't feel it, you don't know. Maybe the hiring manager was just fired and the company still wants them to do recruiting. I, for yeah. example, had it in, in one, I think it was the consultant, and yeah, they let the person who was fired but didn't want to go or basically change to another job do the recruiting process. But this person built up this area and should then recruit the replacement or her replacement oh. but you saw in the interview process this was such a negative person and the candidates dropped out freedomly or freely because they said oh my god i don't want to work here so this Ooh, person, that, that should never ever happen yeah <laughs> that should, i mean but, that's just an absolute no-go but if someone's saying well, this is going to sound harsh now if someone's saying that that person should be responsible for recruitment then you kind of get what you deserve in that instance like you shouldn't ever put someone in that position because you, it's such a bad experience for your company, for your brand, for your... I don't know wow. what happened. Maybe it was for, sold as a promotion, but then the, the hiring person or, or team or taking part person uh, was not aware of it, that it was not really a promotion for that person, but feeling differently. But also this is an open mm. communication, of a, but it was an external. And so it was quite hard to speak about that. Of course, I gave my feedback to another way. And I said, yeah, later on, after I don't know, 15 candidates, um, they put the person out of the recruiting process um yeah, yeah. And there you go but no, i appreciate you you sharing sharing all this we'll wrap up there with it but thank you so much for it. i think intake calls is one of those elements that everyone probably is aware of you know in drips and drabs we know why we should do it but i think it's also one of those elements that people just forget 90 percent of the time especially when you're in the hustle and bustle of it and if you're scaling very quickly it can very quickly go from okay, I've got one hour to talk through 10 roles. And then that's where the quality issues start, start sloppy, uh, start dropping, sorry. So I, I really appreciate you sharing your your insights, your key learns on this. And hopefully, you know, it prompts yeah. people to kind of take action on it. Yeah, maybe a good to add is um, even if you just have 20 minutes, take what you get and um, maybe then take it from there. Um, don't let the line manager say you have to profile, just go forward. And also don't don't take the, the statement as something solid and also the job description as something solid. Let's stay fluid and also do your best. <laughs> I like that. Stay fluid. But thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time. Appreciate good, it. Good, then staying healthy and fluid was my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>